Okay. This is Walter Simonson for 11 O'Clock Comics. Tune in. This is Louise Simonson for 11 O'Clock Comics. It's awesome. <laughs> You should go to the casino because that was on the money. Whoa. <laughs> you said it may work. All right. Yeah, it's all right. Anything that uh, a hard surface anywhere near the microphone is going to cause slapback. Okay. Yes. I so mean, if you're against, if, if you're facing a wall or a corner, it's going to bounce some of that stuff back. Well, I mean, yes, there. It's it's a. I'm not going to say confined. Yes, it's it's there's there's more wall behind the microphone than there was last week. We didn't get any slapback at all. That was just fine. Okay. So there you go. I mean, the monitor is the closest thing to it. It's it's so it's I could I don't know how hard or large the surface needs to be for the slapback. You're going to get Jason all excited. I know, I know. Right? That's why He's I so easy. What, what? Who do you Who? Oh. Feels like it, it's been a month since we've done this. Really? Oh, yeah, for me. Yeah. 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 This is a long time. I get that vibe. Yep. What's, uh, have you, have your uh, daughter's college made a decision yet about the fall events? Uh, well, uh Piggybacking from the recent post by our good David Price that said that uh, his college is going back remote and online in the fall, Rochester's part of New York. So I'm. I'm well, yes. However, however, they 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 jumped the gun. Somebody should not have sent that email out. That was a working draft. Uh, so they have not yet made a decision. I have but, a feeling, but they are thinking of will it. be remote. Yeah, and yeah. But and, don't forget, even though Rochester is part of New York, Westchester is the Mid Hudson region, and we are only at five. We're only we have only met five of the seven metrics for for Westchester for this region to reopen mm-hmm. to begin its reopening phases. So, other counties, other regions, are there's one or two that are behind us that are only at four of seven, but for the most part, most of the state has met. So where Rochester resides, they may be yeah. open for business sooner than us, but I don't see them happening. This well, Obviously happening in the summer. well yes. listen, I'm not, I'm not sure any of that's, that's like in terms of whatever DAP school does is, is it all pertinent because um, Binghamton and Syracuse have already announced they are going half classes starting in August and SUNY is uh, Binghamton's part of SUNY. And right. yeah, so uh, the only thing that they're saying is that it's based on the stated New York um, regional um, four-step plan. So exactly. if, a, if a SUNY or CUNY is in an area that is able to be into phase three, they could go back to campus. And so, I, again, I don't know your daughter's school's region, where, whether, right. whether, where it is in terms of infections, but I'm guessing given its geographic location, it's probably far less – affected than the new york metro area so i that's why i was asking i I would imagine uh, based on binghamton there's a good chance they will have classes in the fall right well okay but uh again not a great situation but i'm reaping the benefits because i've had my daughter home 
for a long time, and now I get her all summer, and it would be even better if I got her all next semester, too. But that's just me being selfish. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, it's 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 a tough thing either way, right? Yeah, I mean, cause... she absolutely does not want to be home. <laughs> so there you yeah. go. Uh, people, case in point, if you ask Dap a question, you'll get an answer. If someone asked me that question, I'd be like, I don't know. So there you go. That's the uh, the way we roll here on 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 672. And I am Vince B. You are Vince B. I am the aforementioned David A. Price. Are you sure you are? I think I am. Who else would he be? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a safe bet. Okay, well, I was just making sure, because I, of course, am Floozle Flim. Oh, boy. You're what? not. You're not Floozle Flim. You're Jason Wood. Listen, in an era of the pandemic, don't we need to have a virus we can root for? Um, no, we don't. No? No. You didn't like Grant Morrison's Flusel Flem creation? You didn't like that? I did, yeah. But, I mean, um, that kind of stuff, as you have alluded many times uh, over the past um, couple months, that stuff is not as compelling to read anymore. No, but we read that long before. Yeah, well, I mean, and the thought of reading it again fills me with nothing. But, right. uh, yeah, it's effectively this pandemic has killed uh any kind of contagion based fiction for me uh maybe short term i don't know maybe long term yeah. who knows but it's i interesting cuz i yeah. pick up a book these days and i and i and if it's a post apocalyptic the radar goes on and if it's uh contagion or virus or some kind of pandemic based i don't even want to read it it's killed a subgenre of uh fiction yeah, I mean it's my it's one of my favorite genres of fiction, and uh, the Stand is a five, top five book for me of all time. Yep, but I it is interesting. I don't know that I'd be clamoring to read the Stand right now. Um, yeah, hmm. we'll have to see how that goes. Right, and you can make an argument uh, for reading it by saying, "Well, it's not the pandemic that's the central theme of the Stand. It's all these people surviving." or trying to survive in the pandemic and finding their way. And yeah, that's great. But you still got to deal with the mom and the baby in the car with the, with the snot. And I don't want to read that section again. That's a, that's a horrible section, but kudos to Mr. King for painting it so vividly with his words, but I I really don't want to read that again. Not right now. So here we are. Here we is again. We do this all the time, but uh, they are going to be inundated because um, not only uh, it's towards the end of the month, which means we got a couple of uh, bonus eps we have to kick out. And uh, who makes all this possible? Who? Discount Comic Book Service. Are you not paying attention? DCBService.com has all the books you want at the prices you want to pay. Now, things are a little weird. Because of the uh, the closing of, of Diamond and Diamond's ramping back up, I guess shops got books this week. I do believe so. Yeah, well, Comic yes, Book Day was, uh, was back. Yes. Yep. Yeah, so that's a that's a plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gears are turning once again, so you will see a list of specials very soon on Discount Comic Book Service. And like I always say, the discounts will be both deep and plentiful. Um, they're going to gang up. What was the deal, Jason? 
Um, so the Diamonds Combined May and June previews. So if you pre-ordered the, under the March, which you should have because you love us and you watch our videos and you want to do that, yep. um, it's now previews 380, 381, May, June. So like the same stuff. And, uh, and that's supposed to arrive in their store uh, in DCBS's HQ uh, next week, May 27th. Uh, and then the April previews, which is the last previews we had, and again, we did videos on it a long time ago. Uh, that will continue to be, you can continue to order from that through June 4th. And then after that, the subsequent, uh, previews catalog will be up for pre-order. Um, so yeah. And then depending on if you are a DCBS customer and you haven't already gotten that email, uh, they explain how they're going to handle if you're a weekly shipper twice a month or monthly, um, but basically, without getting into the, the, the boring details, because uh, if you're not a customer, you're probably not interested. Uh, essentially, they're going to take care of you. If, if, if you're not, if the volume of stuff you've ordered doesn't justify getting shipments with the frequency that you've paid for, they'll credit you the difference um, and, uh, and or reach out to you to combine shipping or however you want to do it. So they're being, being very proactive to make sure that, like, you don't feel, you know, gypped that you're, you know, paying for for shipment frequency that doesn't make sense. So nice. I have just made a note because I don't know if you noticed, you said subsequent, you pronounced it like I said it for you, for two, for you. Oh, okay. Damn I it. Subsequent because that's how you say it. Yeah. Right. All right. I was going to see if anybody jumped on your back like they do mine. Oh no, man. Come on. Damn it. Subsequent. Yeah. It sounds better when you say subsequent. It just sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> but it is subsequent. Whatever. Yeah. Damn it. I thought I had an opportunity and it was just flushed I down know. the toilet. See? You're sneaky. All right. Sometimes. We gather here each and every week, sometimes more than once a week, to talk about yeah. comics. And that's what we're going to damn do. Every six days, basically. Right. So what do we have? Um, well, I, I got to say, I read two things that uh, you both have already talked about. So I don't need to go into them. With any great detail, other than to tip my cap to you, you both. Uh, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, and and again, not to. Uh, this is going to sound the one I had already planned on reading, just that Dap already talked about it. Uh, the other I would ah. not have even known about, uh, but but for your very uh, wonderful uh, synopsis of it, uh, an episode or two back, I forget whether all these episodes are running together in this uh, strange COVID era where like days are both. 80 hours long and 12 minutes long, depending on your perspective. Um, so the, the first one is the Iguana, of course, by by Trio and Mondrafina, which you talked about. Was it last episode or two episodes ago, Vince? It was two? Um, oh, I, it was like, I, yeah, I've lost track. It had to be, it had no, no, to be no. It was when Zach was on. It was two episodes ago. Okay, yeah, because I was going to say. because I, um, I got to say, uh, man, the Iguana is an ugly motherfucker. Like... <laughs> Yeah. I was like rooting against him just because of the way he looked. Yeah, you know who he reminded me of, uh, as depicted in the the graphic novel. He looks like a cross between Art Bell and Stephen King. Oh yeah, I can see the Stephen King for sure. Yeah, Art Bell has that had that pointed lip thing going on. He looked like a little mousy shrew of a man. Um, and Stephen King is just misshapen to begin with. I love Stephen King. But, oh, for sure. You know, put those two guys together, Art Bell and Stephen yep. King, and you'll get the iguana. 
Right, right, yeah. Absolutely. But no, but it was great. As No surprise, as you said. I don't need to. Oh, it's wonderful. You, you were very, you know, you give a very uh, detailed review of it. But it, it definitely lived up to that hype. Beautiful, beautiful art on Mandrafina's part. Um, and then the other book that Dap talked about, I think, on the Remender episode, right? Was that, you know? It was. I mean, we, we, we. It was it was my inner travels because it was I didn't yeah that's what I, I just started it so we didn't so I mean we can okay tag cool. on it if you want because I did finish yeah. it and okay. and I didn't get anywhere near it it got better past good I'm glad because I was going to say I was trying to tiptoe around this because I feel like in inner travels you were a little like like lukewarm on it and and I so I was talking about what we're talking about uh, for those that uh, haven't figured that out I'm talking about firepower. Uh, the prelude original graphic novel that uh, is uh, by uh, Robert Kirkman and Chris Somney, um, which again, adapt when we had Rick Remender on was his in your travels. Uh, it is the, um, because Kirkman is Kirkman and has lots of money. He was able to do something. A lot of people can't, which has put out a fully finished prequel graphic novel, um, which was supposed to come out the same day as the first issue of the ongoing series. Um, Three I have, because th- this that? came out, this was supposed to come out on a Wednesday. The first issue was supposed to come out on Free Comic Book Day. Oh, perfect. Okay, even okay, great. So I'm not sure. Do you know? I don't know. Admittedly, because of what's going on with COVID, I'm I'm not quite off offhand. Like what? I'm not sure about all these release dates. And I know that uh, last week I talked about a book that uh, people were like, "Oh, that sounds great. I can't get it yet." And I made I actually mentioned on the show that it was a we got a copy. Bodies, right? Yeah. 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 Same thing here. We were we were. Very, it was kind kind enough to be given copy of uh, this to review um, ahead of time, and, and as Dap said, we it was supposed to be a very like carefully planned launch to uh, get you right into the series. I, I assume that's no longer the case. I, I don't, but I don't know offhand. Like the way the way, way it was supposed mm-hmm. to break down, um, the prelude, the graphic novel volume one was supposed to be out on um, April 29th. Okay, then. Um, three days later, the uh, free the right? free comic book day number one issue would come out. Then um, that would be the free comic book day edition. Then the actual launch of the series issues one and two were in the same issue of previews. They were wow. scheduled to hit on um, next month, June third, and then uh, and then every at the beginning of the, the first Wednesday of every month from that point on for for three, four, and five, and so on. So. Okay. Um, I don't know what the release date is now going to be like. I don't know if obviously these have the files are done. I'm I'm hoping they've been printed, maybe, but I'm guessing maybe they'll be bundled. I don't know if they'll stagger the release date or they'll just be like, here's the first five issues when once things come back to normal. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, the the I dug the first volume a lot, um, and I and I say that acknowledging because we were talking to our friends uh cliff and justin about this because this subject matter is certainly right up cliff's alley i mean this is not breaking new ground right i mean (laughs) i mean in many ways this is effectively iron fist i mean like let's just be honest right it's it's you could make a chart of the two and it's very similar to the point of of owen johnson who's the 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 lead character in firepower is a super rich orphan who travels the world uh ends up going coming upon a mountain a a martial arts uh like shangri-la in the mountains and uh 
begins training and quickly becomes their prized student who is able to wield a a magic of of fire instead of instead of chi uh in a way that uh, even his master and sensei couldn't uh and, and it's all in service of protecting uh this uh at least theoretically uh, this dragon from escaping because if they escape they could ruin the world and there is an enemy uh, an enemy cult or or clan or martial arts group who are uh, perpetually attacking their uh, their air their camp to try and uh, and, and free this dragon. Um, you know, again, it's 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 it is not very dissimilar. I, I, I one thing I think that I liked is that they kind of flip the racial stereotype on its head in the sense that. You know, especially in 2020, some people take issue with Danny Rand being the white blonde guy who's just so happens to be the best martial artist, you know, in a, and and so I, I like that in this, even though the dude is named Owen Johnson, he's actually Asian and he was adopted by white parents uh, and raised. So uh, he actually is of Asian descent. So like I like that they kind of at least went back that direction. Um, I very much liked his his master oh god yeah right i mean the, the dude's got the jordans he's got the ipod i mean uh dude was funny it was it was like you know it was like stick without the attitude um uh, you know you have the obligatory star pupil who's also a, a little jealous and also prone to violence right you know they'll sweep the leg daniel something and yeah so, so there, there were a lot of familiar tropes that's why i say like this is not breaking new ground you're not going to read this and think Oh, this is the most amazing new concept I've come across in some time. You know, this isn't Little Bird, okay? Uh, <laughs> th- this is this is very much a formula that we've seen in the past of reluctant hero turns out to be a prodigy and then takes on the mantle of of essentially saving the world. Um, but I thought the execution and and I do say most of this falls on the feet of Somni, although. I, I think Kirkman had his moments here, particularly with with the funny, uh, the characterizations. I, I think Somni looks just so great in this world. Um, I think that it's not easy to, uh, when you draw relatively realistically, to take a bunch of bald-headed, um, Caucasian or light-skinned people and give them distinct looks and characteristics. Uh, and, uh, and, and very much he was able to do that. Uh, I thought the training scenes were creative and visually arresting, and uh, I just, I really did, I did. It felt like it felt like a comfortable blanket. Like I thought it was a perfect pre prequel in that you read it, you're like, okay, I get it. You kind of know where it's going from the start. You even assume that like the baddies are going to show up, and it's probably going to be this person you you you've been led to believe. I don't want to give that away, but Owen's got the. There's something about his past that comes to light. Um, so there were no surprises. It kind of went according to plan. Uh, it felt very familiar in a lot of ways, but I just think it was a really good example of that familiar. And uh, and this kind of just whets my appetite for what I hope is a, a fun adventure comic. And I will say, um, and this may surprise you, given that I tend not to like pulp, it reminded me maybe because of Somni's art of like a modern take on pulp comics. And I a high adventure, and I thought, oh, this could be fun. I don't really have anything in my current pull list that 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 holds that mantle right now. So there's definitely a spot for that kind of 
of of jet setting world adventure. Um, so I'm down. I'm down for sure. That's great. So yeah, you, you you were kind of lukewarm on it, but you're only like halfway through. So right. You said it got better. It definitely got better. Um, yes, and 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 my my lukewarmness to it was um, had had absolutely nothing to do with the um, with the visuals. It's it's um, yes, because this is uh, ground that's been tried on before. It it's it's because it it's it's unique and new and fresh and exciting because of what Chris puts on the page. I mean, anybody you could this. The story could be told by by you know any artist. Um, you know, I mean, it really would have hammered the point home if like Kirkman tapped you know Aja to to, to draw it or something like that. But it it was, it's some in my mind elevated it. I mean, we've love or hate Kirkman, however you feel about his style and the work he puts out and um, what he thinks of himself. But but here, I just the reason it's on. My pull is the reason why I've I've ordered everything attached to this project is because of Zombie and and the the story it, it it doesn't it doesn't really start off slow it's you know we we're introduced to everything 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 works because Owen finds this finds where he's looking for finds the temple um, he's he's our eyes and and. Because it's new to him, it's new to us. So, so again, it, it, it's one of those storytelling techniques that that works because we're not we're not being told by a narrator. We're seeing it play out as it's playing out. Where we're we're unsure about whether or not the dragon is behind these doors, just like Owen doesn't believe he is, and um, and whether or not the master is really encased in stone there. And 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 so so we're going along for the ride, and uh, the. When th- there's a moment where um, where things kind of turn, the first time uh, when um, when we find out about and and everybody at the temple finds out about Owen's past and um, that that shift in the story, I, I because it, it's still it's 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 a graphic novel. It's it's over 150 pages, and you know by the time you know, for for the first chunk of it um there's not a lot of of um not a lot of forward momentum it's it's, it's telling a story but we're not i'm not sure where we're going with it and i, and I yeah don't, that's true I, it's like the obligatory new guy getting shunned learning how to do the different training exercises starting yeah. to fit in it's i mean it still looks great especially yeah. the fighting sequences i think you know somebody does i mean he's 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 worked on Black Widow. He's worked on Daredevil. My man knows how to choreograph a fight scene, and and he does it extremely well here. And I don't mm-hmm. mind, you know, panel after panel of of training exercises, and um, and that's all great. And there's the, there's the slight possibility of a love interest, and and of course that's when Sensei shows up. But uh, once once allegiances kind of shift, um, I was enjoying it a lot more because it wasn't we weren't mm-hmm. getting page after page of oh my god why is this guy like still getting not abused but but tormented by by you know by by the johnny and and i'm like i'm just just so we we moved past that and it didn't drag on longer than it needed to and then of course we get the um the huge moment uh of the story with 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 the attacking scorched earth clan and then um and i was really surprised at the last couple of pages because i didn't 
know. I, I, I was I was happy to see that. Um, uh, spoilers: the, the 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 graphic novel ends fifteen years right. later yeah. than mm-hmm. when Owen shows up at the temple. So yeah. uh, so so now you know once when when we get the free comic book day issue or, or the first issue, we'll move forward from there. And, and the last couple of pages are, are a bit of a tease, and I that that really had me standing at attention because I'm like, okay, so so now whatever happened, you know once. Once they look over the the battlefield after their fight with the uh, with the clan, we we cut to fifteen years later where where Owen uh, his hair grew back and he seems to be a family man and he's standing yeah. at a grill and and so I don't know if we're going to get a lot of what's happened in those fifteen years or if we're going to pick up the series right from this moment. But but someone is spying on Owen and I'm, I'm it really it it made me excited. For, for the possibility of what's to come. And and uh, so we're not just stuck in in kind of Lund with, with, you know, being taught by uh, the Dragon Master and things like that. It's mm-hmm. it's just, it's, I now I think, you know, yeah, you could have said the elevator pitch was, yeah, it's Iron Fist, but he's actually Asian. And, and now it's like, now now we've kind of pivoted from that and, and we can see something maybe new and, uh, and possibly unique, so... I'm I'm stoked for that, but no, I I really do. I really did like it. Um, absolutely recommend it when it when it's available. It when whether you're in the shop and you can get it, or you can go ahead and pre-order it from wherever. Um, if you didn't order from DCBS, uh, make sure you do because it was it, it was and and even I mean even if you kind of just if you decide to to write your own ending, I mean if you just if you were just if you just read the graphic novel and we're done with that, I could. I could see an argument for like, listen, everything I need is in this book. You know, yeah, obviously the story continues, but if you don't want it to, you know, you can write your own adventure at that point. But I, I think for a graphic novel, the graphic novel didn't necessarily end with to be continued. Make sure you pick up the first issue. This was, it was, you know, he goes inside the house and that's the end of the issue. That's the end of the graphic yeah, novel. So yeah. I, I, I dug that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think that, uh, and there was a little foreshadowing because because there's that one point where he's talking to the master, and he's kind of saying, "I don't know what I'm doing here. Like I, I don't, you know, I don't. I like I didn't want to be a martial artist. It wasn't right. the life I chose. I, I kind of fell into it. And then, you know, the the sensei's like, dude, you know, like, like strap one on, bro. Like, right. like, <laughs> like whether you wanted to or not. Like, you're obviously you're this is what it ass. is. So you're meant to yes. be, dude. Like you're like look at you. So yeah. So and then like homeboys like living that suburban life like vince just chilling in the birds barbecuing and shit watching <laughs> watching cook. choose your own adventure comics yeah. Sam like Hassan. Yeah. yeah kiss the cook well you know what i'm gonna uh perpetuate this um theme of revisiting things that others have covered in depth and i'm not gonna belabor the point but i read something that jason talked about a oh. while a while back yeah um and it's a mini series for which I would guess absolutely no one was clamoring. Um, it's by Dash Shaw, of course. It's from IDW. It's a three-issue miniseries called Clue Candlestick. Yes. And uh, I had a, a a really great time reading it, but not so much for the events, but the manner by which they were presented. The inventiveness behind 
the narrative was more compelling to me than the actual narrative. If that makes any kind of sense. Um, I, I think his, his drawing and his, his, uh, pacing and just the way he broke down the individual, um, uh, sequences within the big picture into these little, almost games at some point where you had to guess who done it in one little section you couldn't go back and you had to remember what they were wearing what the pattern was on their shoes and their shirts and their colors and what they were holding like i thought that was neat where he's just having some fun with the format and with you know the the events in the story but there was one thing that really got me jazzed and it made the whole book for me and it happens pretty early on uh at the the dinner party when colonel mustard starts talking about the motivations of inanimate objects or non-human objects that they have um they're imprinted with a reason for being and he says um you know a knife wants to cut that's what a knife does a knife inherently wants to cut it's the one thing it wants to do a ball wants to bounce a die wants to choose fate. And I was like, uh, and then he says, a plate wants to encircle and select. And I've been, uh, you know, call me weird, but I've been thinking about this ever since I can remember. Um, when I was a kid, my parents never had to tell me, you know, eat all the food on your plate. I would always do it because I would look at the broccoli and say in, to myself, somebody planted this broccoli and the broccoli grew and someone picked the broccoli and then you had another someone that took the broccoli and processed it cut all the crap off got it in nice little containers then someone brought the broccoli to the store someone at the store took the broccoli off a pallet or however they got it and put it on the shelf for you to buy and then someone on my end of the chain actually bought the broccoli, took it home, used energy to cook the broccoli. There's a whole long sequence of events that began with baby broccoli in the dirt and then cooked broccoli on my plate. If I didn't eat the broccoli, all of that would have been for naught. All that energy would have been totally wasted if I didn't eat the broccoli. Even if I'm not at that point and I'm looking at my plate. Even if I'm not hungry, I'll eat the broccoli because it does not re, because not doing so squashes the potential in that broccoli. Do you, do you guys think the same way? Well, hearing you say that is so fascinating because it wasn't that, it was maybe a couple of weeks ago and you said that you, you're always baffled by, you think I, you think I care too much about things. And like, Things you can't that, control, you care too you much just, about. You just but articulated a perfect example of that same thing. Like no. Deep, deep empathy for people that you'll never see or do and would still be doing all of those things in the chain whether you ate your broccoli or didn't. Yes, but the control point is I can make it – I can realize the potential in that broccoli by eating it. If I throw it away, all that's squandered. But if I just eat it, then the broccoli realizes its reason for being, right? 
it's <laughs> I mean, it's strange. Like I've been dealing with this. Maybe this is a little insight into the character of me. I've been dealing with this since I've been a kid. There are things I won't do because it breaks the chain of potential. It's the strangest thing. Um, what other example can, can I use? Like, um, I, I just won't throw things away just for the sake of throwing them away. Like, if I have a stack of cardboard, I could use that cardboard for something maybe creative, right? It's amazing you're not a hoarder. I'm No, I don't go that far, right? I mean, I don't say... That's the kind of thing that right. would lead to hoarding if you weren't careful. But there, there are wrinkles in this. Like, if I open a Twinkie... I'm not going to save the plastic around the Twinkie because that plastic existed to protect and keep that Twinkie, whatever it call passes for fresh in Twinkie land, plate. right? But or the the paper underneath that held the 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 Twinkie in the package that goes in the recycling bin to become other paper, right? I don't save that crap, but there are things that you know I won't do because. In terms of the, the the chain of events that led to this thing being, I'm not going to disrupt them. And it's weird when I read it on the page that these yeah. in, inanimate objects consider themselves having a potential. And I thought that was wonderful. Maybe because it, it mainlined something that I've been doing for my own, you know, my entire Where life. Where are you on the uh, idea of people having agency in their own lives and fates? Um... I think yes, until it affects the lives of others. You can't go out without a mask. No, right? no, no. I, oh, yeah, no. I, I understand what you answered. I meant more like, uh, like more like destiny. Like, like, do you, like, do you think, do you think you have some full or no control over how your life evolves and turns out? No, you like, have you have the utmost control. You can make your yeah, life whatever okay. it is. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. Yes, yeah. I'm. I'm a an apathetic, complacent slob. I could have. Yeah. No, I'll be You're honest. You're not a slob. You're a neat freak. Well, yes, but I'm saying in terms of my life, I, I'm. I'm. I'm unmotivated. Uh, I'm apathetic. Uh, right, all those things, and I'm squandering what passes for talent in my mind. Um, should I have decided to? Hey. I can make something with my life. I, you know, I sh I could have, but I chose not to. Right? That's me taking an active position right. in my life and saying, well, whether conscious or unconscious, I chose it to be that way. You, any any anybody out there, could be a billionaire in in x amount of time if they take the steps to achieve it. Yeah. Like you, whatever you want, you can have. You're not going to fly without wings. Right, if you know, if you pick something stupid like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fly off this mountain. I'm just gonna practice. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get good. I'm make my arms strong. You're never gonna fly. Like there, there, there's rational, reasonable goals, and then there's just pie in the sky. Right? You know, I'm just, I'm gonna become a tyrannosaur tomorrow. It, that's not gonna happen. Right? But there yeah. are, there, you can control every aspect of your life. You can fine tune everything. And uh, no, I, I'm totally on board with that. There is no fate. I don't believe in fate. Because hearing you talk about the broccoli, uh, I was I was thinking, and then you kind of alluded to it. Like, couldn't I push back to you and say, is the purpose of your art to not be seen? Well, one would think, right? <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, like I would put like this. You know, more, like like let's like I wish you would 
like you should your art like you view broccoli like it should be seen like it's not there to it's exactly you might right. pop push back and say my art is there as an outlet for me to be creative like that is its purpose ah uh, yeah which is tree, fine i mean it's fine if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around does it make a sound i don't know i mean right that's, that, yeah that's no that's know. a that's a, a much larger issue but <laughs> oh, fair enough yes but, no i on the couch but uh yeah, i, I, I just, thought uh, this clue was just it was great i i thought it was neat that he included cards that you can cut out for like Colonel Mustard mm-hmm. and, and yeah. you know, you can put them, you can swap them out with the ones that are in the actual game. So Dash Shaw actually becomes a part of the Clue game, which is great. That's neat. That's a, a wonderful way to do it. It's, it's um, art becomes art and the creator becomes art in the sense that it, it you know, by, by actually injecting himself into the game. That's wonderful. Uh, there's text pieces in here. I just thought it was... It was a, a really fun time, but more uh, me marveling at the canniness of Dash Shaw and just the complexity of the the uh, the sequentials that he, he brought to the table and it, very simple character designs. Well, it, it goes without saying Dash Shaw, um, very clean lines, um, flat color. It's it, it was wonderful, but it's I think it's a. Uh, it's a bird's eye view into a a really uh, super creative individual that I think has a a, a a visual language that not a lot of guys uh, share. Like there's something oh, yeah. there's something yeah. really there's a spark in Dash Shaw that not a lot of guys have or or gals. And uh, just watching him do anything like I would never think I would enjoy a. a a graphic novel about the game Clue because it was never one of my favorites, right? Yeah. But and, and but he's he's really uh, I'm not going to spoil the ending. But when I saw that there's a point in the in the story where the killers are revealed, and as soon as I saw it was two, I'm like, oh no, it can't be because that goes against the basic tenets of the game. You can't have more than one killer. So this is mm. not this is not real. And then the story plays out even farther. I'm like, all right, I see what you were doing. But you know that you know because there were two killers that it wasn't legit. Uh, no, I thought it was great and wonderful, and everybody should read it because uh, it, it's a good story. But it's a great glimpse into a a very very creative individual. I think at the top of his game making comics it's just on that aspect it's wonderful and you should mm-hmm. you should have it on your shelf you may not yeah. like the game clue or the just the the idea of the whodunit type mystery but if you want to see somebody making comics that not a whole lot of people uh can have reached this level um i think you should get this it's cheap it's only 15.99 but it's only three issues but you get a lot of bonus stuff in the in the book so it's jason thank you i mean i would have been on it Regardless, oh, yeah, well, but you instigated it. So I mean, I I I I became a fan of his because of you back in the very earliest days of the show, uh, because of Body World and Bottomless Belly Button. Yeah, um, you know. And then uh, I, it actually made me think. You bringing him up that uh, I have New School sitting on my shelf, and I haven't read that. And that's got to be like five years old now. I just I bought it when it came out, and I I have to read that. I have to. Do you have uh, Unclothed Man? No. You got the thirty the thirty fifth century? I think yeah, whatever. Yeah. You gotta get no. that. That's great too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our duly noted. 
And Mr. Shaw pops up once in a while in um, the Fantagraphics Now anthology, right, David? Yeah, he's in Now. He was in uh, Kramer's yeah. Urgot. He was in uh, The Strange Tales, the Marvel. Yeah. When Marvel did that cool Strange Tales uh, 1 and 2. I don't know if it's my current mindset, but I have tried to read that latest Kramer's Urgot about three times, and I can't get into it. Ten? Uh, whatever. The bigger one with the with yeah. the, with the the Obi strip. I... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It must be me, but there's something about it. It's, it's, it's a tough nut to crack. I'll, I'll get there, but I mean, I wanted to talk about it for, for months, but I just, I can't get through it. Just give it time. That's yeah. Yeah. Some things need a little bit of time. So there you go. What else do we have? Oh, speaking of, um, revisiting, uh, something else I mentioned ages ago that um, I finally, I, I, I finished shortly after the episode, just never crossed it off the list. Um, and, but since that time, I've also done a little bit of research on the character um, from, uh, from Europe comics. I, um, I mentioned it. I, I was reading Spiru in Berlin uh, by Flix and the graphic novel is is fantastic, and uh, apparently, um, yeah, a lot of it reminds me of of Tintin in a way. Parts of it feels a little bit like um, Rocco Vargas from the heavy metal days. But there's um, this character actually Spiru has been around for over eighty years, and um, it was uh, it's a Belgian comic belgian character uh actually and, and spiru is part of the brussels uh comic book route um so it's it's a character that is important and uh and beloved and and, and you know the original look is kind of like a, a hotel bellboy um he has a friend who who's a reporter uh and the look is kind of similar you know he may not just wear the bellboy jacket these days but um it it's still that even though different creators work on the character, um, the character, the character itself, he's had all these adventures and, and cause even in this graphic novel, they, they reference, um, previous adventures and, uh, and, and they let you know, you know, which, which album you can, you can find that story in and, and continue reading it. So it's not like this is not an introduction to sphere necessarily. I mean, it's the first time I've read the character and I, I love it now. I want to read some of the earlier works, but, um, everything, everything matters. Everything exists. If, if they're talking to the professor and the professor talks about something beyond the mushrooms that are in this issue, um, this is when we first introduced that idea. So that's great. Um, but Flix is the first German creator to work on the character. Um, everybody else has been, um, basically from Belgium it, it's uh but I think it's I'm, I'm pointing this out because yeah I, I I tend to focus on the American comics the American comic strips um and and thanks to heavy metal my my mind my, my horizons were broadened but there's still a shit ton that I'm not familiar with and and I need to rectify that so um 
No, thanks to Europe Comics for um, and and you know and and Magnetic does this as well. I mean, thanks to them, we're we're able to read these European um, graphic novels that you know weren't available to us before. They've been translated. Things are great. Um, you know, Sound of the World by Heart. I, I wouldn't have found if not for Magnetic. So I'm I'm elated. We have publishers that are bringing these stories and and props to, to Europe Comics. And I have a few other previews that. Um, that I need to read as well. And I know that Jason, you mentioned it, that you bought a bunch from comiXology. So we'll huddle up and, and find out what we can tag on. But I think, you know, I, I, I appreciate the presentation, but yeah, I, I'm just, I love the fact that, that this open minds to something that, um, I now have, like, I didn't have enough on, on my list of, of stories or books or, or, or things that I look for at cons or, or want to, um, fill in with uh, and learn more about now, now. Now I get to really look over the the pond, as they say, to 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 see what else is available. But this was this was great. I you know, if anybody's listening that that that's familiar with the character or, or has read any of the earlier stories, let me know. Um, maybe where I should divert my attention to if there's anything in specific I should look for. Um, preferably stories that have already been translated so I don't have to read each page with the uh, Google Translate open on my phone but the uh, th- this was this was great if um, if you could find if you can get Spirit in Berlin I definitely recommend it um, I was happy with the the way the story wrapped up it, it's weird the, the um, there's there are a bunch of because uh, um, this takes place in 1988 so it's right before the wall comes down and uh the um there are um germans who are not painted in a very polite or positive brush uh they actually in a cartoony way they get stripped down and you see from a distance you know you see the men and their junk but you never see any any naked females in this book and um there's it, it's just it's weird how they they have some it's it's not weird i just i i appreciated the approach with as as cartoony um and in the highest compliment i can give it a, a cartoony look for these characters and situations but the tone especially with the um the consequences some of the characters face uh the repercussions made to them um are kind of severe and and serious and and it's even though for the most part it's presented in a um in a humorous way uh there are some heavier moments uh towards the end of of the book but there's i mean it's 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 got the intrigue it's got the um suspense and i i i enjoyed all the characters in it i i really really seriously I appreciate. I, I think this was a um, this was a fun time. I, I really did enjoy this. So um, I'm sorry it took me so long to, to finally get back to it and let everybody know that you know I finished it. And and for those wondering, and and that uh, you should definitely get it if you can. But um, I need to do some more research on Spiro and find out everything that um, that I'm missing. But yeah, I, I uh, in keeping the whole resurgence aspect of the episode so far alive that's that's what i'm going with nice uh the cartooning is smack dab in my sweet spot 
Yeah, right? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I'm going to jump in here. It, it was a very strange week uh, in, a, in a stack of strange weeks. And um, I was struggling with, with something to, to bring to the show. I, I had no idea. I started a bunch of things. Uh, I have tried at least five times to get through Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I wow. reach I reach a certain point and I'm just like tap tapped out. Um, and it's weird. It is it is weird because it's Freddie Williams, right. uh, and I and you know I would I would do anything for Freddie. I, I absolutely adore his work. But maybe there's something uh, James Tinney in the the fourth is is the writer. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Batman and and Bane and come on, it should it should just flow. I I just chalk it up to you know uh, current events. I just couldn't get I couldn't get through it. Um, so I'm I'm in the the uh, sanctum sanctorum, I'm looking around and and I, I had not intended at, to read this the following. Uh, for this episode, it just happened. I was I was looking at a shelf, and I saw the unfamiliar spine, and I thought, "What's this then?" And lo and behold, a couple of hours later, I had consumed the book in its entirety. Yeah, yeah. And um, I had my eye on this back in the day, um, but it didn't. It, there were a couple of factors that prevented me from from buying this. The the local shop, this is even before Discount Comic Book Service, the local shop got the first two issues, which I read, and then he didn't get uh subsequent issues, and then it the the publication schedule went from uh, a regular schedule to I guess like one every year at some point. Um so uh two of these issues this this uh trade paperback co- collects the first six issues two of which I had read before um and oddly enough I never read with music on but I had something playing in the background and again this weird synchronicity just kind of reached out and tickled my chin if you're going to read the following I suggest listening to Brian Eno's Apollo while you read it, because it is the perfect freaking soundtrack for this book. What is the book, you're asking? Tell us. Well, it's um, Strange Haven, Volume 1, Arcadia. It's a book that I believe was given to me by Mr. Dapp himself. If memory serves, you gave me this book. I don't remember when or where, uh, but you gave it to me because I don't remember buying it. It may have been one of those five for whatever at a, at a con and, and you just yeah. was like, he you just tossed it my way because yeah. I have it. And it's again, so uh, Strange Haven, Volume 1, Arcadia, written and illustrated by Gary Spencer Millage, published by Abiogenesis Press. And there have been 18 issues to date, although, as I said, very sporadically, maybe one a year towards the the end of the run, and I just realized, or I just found out that uh, chapters were created for an anthology called Meanwhile, which was published by Soaring Penguin Press. So there is parts, there are parts of the story that 
extend beyond issue 18? I need to I, either either I had to and 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 I I I yes, I remember seeing this at at a con and I once you see the cover you can't forget it. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I'm looking right at it and I'm, I I know that cuz it sounds familiar and I'm like I I think I know what it is cuz I'm I'm also thinking it was around the same time I bought the Painter Brothers Triple X and and I I like, think it I'm, was. I and, think and it so yeah. I know maybe maybe somebody had two of them cuz I don't know maybe I Maybe I did give you my copy, but I'm pretty sure I still have one here. Well, nevertheless, I'm going to tell you about the book, but there's really nothing to spoil. Okay. Because if I were hard pressed and someone said to me, what's this strange haven about? You read the first trade. I don't think I'd be able to tell you. Um, there's no big bad in this first trade. Um, there's no... Uh, significant removal of characters, and it's a large cast, right? Um, it 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 starts with this this guy named Alexander Hunter, and he recently split with his wife, and he needs to clear his head, you know, set himself straight, needs a change of scenery, all the excuses that one makes after a a life changing event. So he hits the road, right? Um. British countryside, and he's driving along, and he finds himself lost. And he's looking at the road sign, and the road sign says Strange Haven. He's like, he's looking at his map. He's like, what the hell? There's no Strange Haven on this map. I don't get it. I, where, where am I? So he goes into the town of Strange Haven, and almost immediately he meets uh, a young woman, very fetching. Her name is Janie Jones. Uh, who resembles the girl in the Clash song only in name. Um, she's blonde. She's pretty. She's a receptionist for Dr. John Jones, her father. And she crushes on Alex immediately. And the two strike up a friendship. She shows him around. They go to the pub. Um, uh, but you, you could tell that he's still dealing with the fallout of a failed relationship. And she wants... A relationship. She wants this guy. This is this little uh, backcountry, you know, uh, British town, uh, Berg, and there's really not a lot of motion through the town. I mean, you know, people live, they're born and they die there. So they don't see too much influx of the outside world. Um, and it plays out. And I'm taking the low road here because this is the obvious comparison and I want to punch myself in the face for, for using it, but I'm going to because doing so will immediately tell you what kind of atmosphere is in this first uh, trade. It's very Twin Peaks, which means there's a lot of high strangeness. There's a lot of questions that aren't played out. Um, the, the, the questions rise and you don't see the end point, at least not in this first trade. So you have um, a girl named Susie, who's Janie's best friend. And she's in love with this guy, Pete, who, with his wife, owns the local gross, you know, the grocery shop. And Pete spends much of his time shagging Susie behind his wife's back when he should be doing things at the shop. But Pete doesn't only lie with Susie and about his fidelity, he also has an incurable disease. And only he and Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, they, they know. Pete's all about them lies, right? 
So Janie's father is not only the town doctor, he's the headmaster of the local school, right? And he's also the night prime in this cult slash religious entity called the Knights of the Golden Light. Think the Masons mixed with Wicca, mixed with the uh, Process Church of the Final Judgment. There's a little bit of Luciferianism thrown in there, and they have a visual aesthetic that would make the clan a bit jealous. They got these pointy white hoods, but they have the apron like the Masons. You know, there's a whole... Um, there's a whole mystery school aspect of this thing. And um, he's the, the top dog. And there are frequent intrusions into the narrative where it just shows him doing these rites with his people. Uh, what does that amount to in the narrative? Not much when you get to issue six. You know, the, it, it, we know there's a clandestine... Um, I don't know, quasi-religious, occultish uh, uh, group within this town, but it doesn't play out. You don't see what happens or what their aim, what their goal is, or why they exist at all. I mean, um, th- there's a really odd relationship between Jeremy Jones, which is Janie's younger brother, and this guy named Megaron. Megaron is as white as rice, yet he claims to have spent his formative, formative years with the Men Mehem Arku tribe in Brazilian Amazonia. Uh, he and he goes and he goes on. We're adjacent to the the Zingu River, and he teaches Jeremy things. He's like, yes, um, my tribe. If if white the white man would be killed on sight, which doesn't answer the question how. He's part of the tribe. He's white. Like, so you, I just take it as face value as I was reading it, right? He, he, he teaches Jeremy how to shoot arrows, not just the mechanics of shooting an arrow, but the philosophy, the, the, the state of mind necessary to line up one's shot and to evaporate the, 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 the waking world and just focus on your shot to the expense of all other things. And you have to be the arrow. And that plays into the narrative too. At, at one point he says the, the Mehem Arku arrows were actual human beings bestowed to the tribe from the sun. Like it's okay. Um, and, and when Millage goes into these mythological, um, sequences, he paints them. Uh, the rest of the book is just clean, clean, thin line, lot, some hatching, um, you know, a lot of blacks. But when he goes into these flights of fancy, it turns to painted uh, panels. It looks really good. Um, but so he gets into the mythology and he says the, the, the creator, whose name is Kwamuti, gave his daughter to the jaguar and the jaguar had sex with the the daughter of the creator and she became pregnant but she was killed but before the the children could die they they split open her belly and they took the children out and from her belly came the sun and the moon like what right (laughs) what but it gets even it gets even weirder right there's a, a male lady her name's veronica and she's 
again, has recently parted with her husband, and she has, uh, she fancies this man named Adam. And Adam claims to be an alien from the planet Nimoy. Nice. It's spelled, well, it, it's spelled differently. Nice. Um, and, and Veronica's estranged husband, George, isn't taking the separation too well. And he gets violent, right? Um, so he, he, he tussles with, the, with Veronica and they get into a little bit of a scrape and she tries to defend herself and she breaks a nail. Breaks a nail, right? And um, the the local constable, the, the what passes for the police in this this strange haven, he goes, "Oh, don't worry about it." And he gets a, a, a clipper from his pocket and he clips the nail. Oh, there you go, right as rain. And he keeps the nail clipping, and he puts it in a jar, <laughs> right? And for what purpose? I don't know. See, there's part of the beginning that I didn't tell you um, when. Alexander was looking for the the town or or where just just to get his bearings there was a woman in the road and he almost he he hits the woman and he gets all discombobulated he comes to the town he's like oh I hit a woman he wakes up the next day you know he's got bandage on and he wakes up he's like I hit someone they're like no you didn't there's no evidence of you hitting anyone in, in the road and then later on in the story we see a woman in a tank of fluid that looks like the woman that he hit in the road. Ah, oh, shit. It's weird. It, I, I, but it's completely compelling. It's you, 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 you just immerse yourself in the 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 town and the people, and the pages just go by. It's awesome. Nine panel grid for most of the book. Right. If yes. So, uh, but Spencer Millage's style, I love it because it's very imprecise. This is not tracing over reference material, although right. he may have had reference material for his characters, and I'm sure he he did. Um, Dave Sim in the introduction says, "I don't know how he does it." That's just Dave being Dave. There, there's you could tell how he did it, right? But he's imprecise with his line. It, each instance of a certain character does not completely look like the representation in the previous panel you could tell it's the same character but there's a lot of leeway in the line which i love like he's not right. he's not trying to get the exact light likeness every single time and there's a really disturbing section um so janie thinks uh, at one point uh alex tries to leave strange haven and he goes out on the road. And she's like, oh, goodbye. I hope I see you again. You know, you're a really nice chap. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back. And he hits the road and he can't leave Strange Haven. He, he has this same problem with the roads. And he goes, well, I guess I go back. And he goes back. And Janie's like, oh, my, my goodness, you came back. And she thinks that he came back for her. So they, right. you know, they start spending a lot of time with each other. And they're getting kind of cozy and holding hands. And she thinks it's more than then he thinks it is and at one point she makes him dinner and she thinks that all right this is a thing and she's like well i got some dessert for you and <laughs> uh she she starts disrobing and he's like his hand goes over his eyes he's like oh what are you doing and she's she's like what i thought this was 
something. He's like, oh, you, you must have misread me. I, I thought so. She's standing in front of him naked. You don't really see. I mean, it's suggested, right? Um, and the girl is crushed, and it's even made worse because her and Susie, a bunch of pages before the event, were trying on lingerie. Like, should I wear this? Should I, do you think this makes me look good? And she she put a lot of energy and effort into making herself look good for the big night, and he totally crushes her. And it's just, oh, it's so disturbing to read because you feel the girl's pain. You feel Janie's like, she was so enthused and like, this is my guy. I want this. I want to be with this guy. And he want he wanted like he had really no no uh, enthusiasm for the beautiful naked woman standing in front of him. Like, ah, you know, put yourself in that position that would have played out very differently. But anyway, I just think it's wonderful. And it's like, this is something that's been on the stand since what, 95? Right? And why have I not read this until now? It, it But it, it just has, there's a, an atmosphere of something in this narrative that I can't quite put my finger on. There's a lot of, there's a point where um, Jeremy and Mr. Megaron, their consciousness is inserted into birds and they fly around the town. And Jeremy's like, this is wonderful. I'm flying. This is great. And then the sequence ends and they're sitting on a couch. So did they really? insert their consciousnesses into the birds and become birds and f- you you don't know uh, the the adam the guy that claims he's a, an alien from the planet nimoy claims to see through he has x-ray vision and you're like okay um lebowski that's what you know he looks like um yeah you have x-ray vision but at, there's one panel when he's looking through the shirt of the male lady and you can see her boobs so does he have x-ray vision? Is he an alien? You don't know. You, you, you just don't know. But that's what's so compelling to me. Same thing with Twin Peaks. There's a reason why I watched every episode multiple times of all three seasons of Twin Peaks is because it's not all spelled out for you. There's mysteries and it's cool to, to formulate theories of what's going on. You know, and this is the same thing. I love this book. There are two trades. Um past the first that i need to get i don't have them so i'm on a quest yet so i i loved this i thought it was magnificent strange and it won eisner's and ignatz's that's like those kind of books are usually on our radar when something wins an eisner especially jason hype beast when when yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes it's true it's true when something wins an award of note, we take, um, st- you know, we, we we pay attention. This has won Eisner's, and yet I, I have never, I haven't given it its requisite um, amount of attention, and, and that's on me. But that ends now. Had, now yes. So, so Strange uh, Haven. Hadn't happened. Yeah, it's wonderful. I want you to read it, Depp. If you have it, you should read it. I'll just borrow yours when I see you in 2021. But I thought you have it around the house. That's what I'm saying. If I don't, if if, if I can't. Oh yeah, it, yeah. No, it's yeah, it's absolutely wonderful. There's a, a a cadence and a and a flow to the story that I I have seldom encountered in comics. It's just it's it's high strangeness. It's very weird, and I love it. Yep. 
Nice. Yeah, it sounds really good. Cool. I I don't know if it would be for you, but I would be intrigued to 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 uh, well, hear salesman. Uh... No, I would I would be intrigued to hear your uh, comments okay. on it after you read. Hmm. For sure. Yeah. Nice. So Vince, when when you were selling me on the iguana, I went to the eBay's to buy it. Uh huh. And uh, I. I couldn't find, or I should say, I wasn't. I couldn't, but I, I, I found a listing that included the iguana, but also another venture book, which was Video Noir. Oh yeah, that's filthy. Which I then, I then, I subsequently saw that, uh, <laughs> the Video Dick. Noir is advertised on the back page of yes. the iguana trade. Yeah, uh, Video Noir is also by Carlos Trio uh, with. Uh, a gentleman named Eduardo Riso as yes. his partner. Yes, and we we did discuss uh, two episodes back when you were talking about Iguana, how Trio and Riso did a bunch of stuff together over the years, including Vampire Boy and the like. Um, so yeah, so when I saw that this was included in the eBay, and I thought, well, damn, I mean, this is one of the few Trio Riso things I don't think I own, so no brainer, let me get it. Uh, and on the cover, it's a blonde, a a, a sexy looking blonde woman. Sitting in like a throne, but it's really more like a, cloth, a seat with cloth over it. You see that she's got blonde hair. She's got a great body. Uh, her face is shrouded in all black. You see a red eye, uh, and then she's got her legs crossed. And one is is a is a is a uh, a pretty foot in a black high heel, and the other, which is also shrouded uh, in black, is uh, a hoof, a cloven, and then two blonde little kids uh, sitting with her. So, um, fairly straightforward story, uh, a little less wordy than, um, than Iguana, uh, in terms of uh, each page, just, just much, much less dialogue, um, which not take neither, not, it's not, I'm not admonishing one versus the other in terms of, 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 but I think there's, it's a little more surface level, this book, um, it is what it is. And what it basically is, uh, is this, this, Blonde woman is a satanic creature, a succubus, if you will. <laughs> she has taken on the form of a children's television show host, like a Captain Kangaroo, only a hot blonde version. And with the intent of using that to curry power and favor to do illicit things in the world. Um, and the book starts with uh, a familiar scene. There is a uh, private investigator office. Someone rings the doorbell. A very disheveled PI with his tie half on and wrinkled shirt and looking like he's had a hard life opens the door. And normally in that scene, if it was a noir film, you'd see the the beautiful ingenue standing there waiting for him to help her. But instead, you see these uh, gaggle of um, very uh, 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 normal looking, cute kids. You know. Um, Difficult to tell their ages. I'd say preteen, like 10, 11-ish. Six of them, three blonde, three brunette. And they say, hey, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're, we, were, we have to write an article uh, for our class on private detectives. And so we looked you up, and you were the nearest private detective to our school. So we walked over. Could we interview you? So he's like, oh, sure, kids, come on in, whatever. But it's apparent that that's not the case because they immediately start asking him about uh, – 
a certain case he's working on with Miss Dreddy. And Miss Dreddy, as in Dread, Miss Dreddy is the 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 woman that the television host. And uh, he's like, "All right, get out of here, kids." And next thing you know, the kids' eyes get get uh, glassy, and then they they pull back their their mouths and and their their teeth are glaring, and, and it's almost vampiric. And next thing you know, uh, the guy has been he's been bitten to death. He's been devoured and his, his office is ransacked. And it's clear that the, the kids work for her and were there to get files on, on her that, that he had, for some reason he had been hired to um, take pictures of her. And he had, uh, he had, we don't yet know why or what, or what the pictures are, but, but we know that he, someone hired him. Well, it turns out that uh, this dead private eye uh, named Gellin had a partner named Benedict and they were on the outs because they both had a hankering for the same woman, and she chose Benedict, so they weren't really feeling each other of late, but they were still sharing office space because it was expensive out there. But uh, now that now that Gellin's killed, though, of course, Benedict can't just stand by. He has to see what's doing, because he, he, he was on the outs with the dude, but it was still his partner, and still, you know, he, he doesn't want to see the guy's death go unanswered. So he gets involved, and um, as as does his girlfriend, who is a uh, former prostitute. Um, and it turns out that uh, they quickly uh, realize, Benedict quickly realizes that uh, whatever the kids or the killers, he doesn't know the kids, whatever the killers were looking for, um, they didn't find because they didn't know where to look. So he immediately goes to a uh, little secret hiding spot that they have that they use uh, to hide sensitive stuff. And he goes there, and sure enough, inside one of the hidey holes is a bunch of uh, photos and files. And there's a blueprint of a giant mansion, and then pictures. And it's pictures of uh, of Miss Dreddy. And in Eduardo Russo's sexy time, it's Miss Dreddy coming out of uh, the bathroom into her bedroom, fully naked, um, and uh, doing awful things. <laughs> and um, yeah, and 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 basically. Um, it's clear that uh, whether his partner, his old partner, was looking to blackmail her because she's a children television show host and this would be bad news, or someone hired her. That none of that's clear. And then, really, that's where this starts getting into. Um, we start seeing the players, and it's ultimately a case of good versus evil, like Good Omens or something. Um, a cross dressing uh, looks like um, what's the name of the dude? I couldn't think of his name. The one that's in all the. Uh, the uh, uh, oh, it, actually, never mind. Uh, this this guy looks like is drawn to look like Roger Waters, kind of, um, but like, but like a transvestite version of uh, of uh, like visually. Okay, you were thinking yeah. Divine, right? No, no, I was at first, but then I was like, no, that's not what I. Yeah, because he's not portly. Yeah, no, 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 no. This is the, this 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 character uh, Buono, which is as you know, Vince Italian for good. Um, so it's good versus so it's good versus evil, or right? dread versus good. Uh, he's this uh, ebullient performer who uh, has some kind of um, axe to grind with dread, and he 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 meets up with with the private eye and explains, "Hey, listen, this is this, you're dealing with things here that are beyond your norm. This is she is a, she is a, a minion of Satan, and she's here to do Satan's will." and of course, you know, the PI's like, whatever, dude, like, okay, I, I, whatever you say. But, like, either way, he's still trying to get to the bottom of things because it is still his homie that got killed. Um, but, you know, it is all true. And uh, and then there's a dirty cop, and the dirty cop um, 
also has a history with with the hooker girlfriend because he used to basically make her do depraved things for him to get off of him arresting her for prostitution. And then there's uh, the right-hand man of, of Miss Dreddy, who is, uh, on the surface, he looks like a violent thug, but he's actually a hellhound, and he can take on the form of a hellhound. And, uh, and, and it's essentially a race to find the evidence that they need to um, blow her up before she can continue to gain power, to basically depower her. Because Bono says uh, she's using TV and and the media to gain power on this plane, and if we can discredit her uh, morally, then that's all we need to do because she'll be depowered. So um, they try and sneak into her mansion. Uh, in the process of sneaking in, they come across a chamber of horrors, and it is a chamber of horrors. There are torture devices and... Uh, and uh, entrails and bodily fluids of all types. And, uh, you know, it's very clear that she is a sadist in the pure sense of the word, but they are able to find video evidence and uh, they allude to they, it's. And again, this is maybe clear. This is some pretty graphic stuff. Like in, in one of the, in one of the videos, uh, then they go to play it. It's her torturing a little child. And, uh, and then it's implied, although thankfully not shown that uh, the child is then given to the, uh, to the hellhound to eat. And that, that prompts the uh, private eye to, to, to vomit as I'm sure it would any of us, if they had first of all, had been forced to draw that versus just imply it. But, but either way, these are viable people that you're clearly, these are not anti-heroes. You're very much rooting against them. Um, and, uh, but that being said, they are resourceful. And so it's, it's essentially a, uh, almost like a caper flick where um, at every turn where they think they've got the edge on her, uh, she pulls. Uh, she pulls. A, it's like a chess game. She she finds a way to um, to volley back and seemingly protect herself. Uh, the kids get involved in a lot of ins- sick and insidious ways. They're evil little fuckers. Um, and uh, there is also quite a bit of uh, uh, not surprising, given its trio and Risso, quite a bit of of nudity and sex in this in many different forms. Wono um, ch- chats with the the private eye mainly through his computer like giving him tips like hey dude run or don't don't let the person in or I, that that's whatever you did there wasn't good enough um and it all does come to a head bargains are made people are betrayed and uh it's a, a pretty cool nifty twist ending um it does not end happily ever after i'll tell you that and uh i i thought it was great i it, it's it's self-contained it's quick it's in part sexy, but it's hard to really describe the book as sexy because there's some pretty gross stuff in it too. But uh, it definitely plays on the edges of that uh, that sadomasochistic, um, satanic kind of vibe. I, I it reminded me in a way of like I don't know if you guys remember, but in the '80s there was this. Um, I can't imagine what it'd be like now with the internet, but but in the '80s there was this there was this period of time where there was this undercurrent where this conservative side of the country was convinced that like dungeons and dragons and, and metal and everything were, were all satanic. Yeah. Right. You know, and they were trying to get us to be Satan worshipers. You remember? Yeah. And I remember being at Walden books once and, uh, buying a book on like Satan worship or wanting to, because of the, like what was going on. I wanted to actually read what it was really like. And I remember my mother having, you know, 
like not sure if she should let me buy it, but uh, it kind of reminded me of that era. I mean, this book's much more more recent than that. This book was made in the two thousands, but but uh, but it, it kind of harkened back to that vibe. Like this book would have been perfect for the early eighties when everybody was convinced that kids were being poisoned and turned into Satan by the by the media. Um, so I'm sure that's where they took their inspiration. So um, yeah, a, 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 an entertaining book, totally in line with the other kind of stuff the trio and Russo like to do on the horror front and the mixing sex and horror um two thumbs up hard to find i think i i, I don't think you're going to find a copy of this and and unfortunately i don't think this is in line for a modern u.s reprint like we know that uh that the uh other stuff is the iguana and uh, the big hoax are so um it's so a bit just, it's a bit strange hmm. isn't it when when you you look at the final product and it's eduardo rizzo so one would think that anything rizzo is going to find an audience but yeah, I, this yeah. Th- the whole venture imprint uh, with with Dark Horse and uh, I didn't go over very well, which boggles my mind because every right. one that, that I've read has been really great. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, including this one, this one was more in my wheelhouse than the Iguana, but I, you know, I didn't want to stack the deck with the venture uh, books too quickly. Oh, so you read this one too? Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, oh, cool. I okay. mean, it's everything at which resource excels. Uh, yeah. Beautiful women, uh, nudity, gunplay, violence, mayhem. It, 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 in Stark, Chiaroscuro, uh, it's just wonderful. But, I mean, wonderful is a little bit of a stretch because like, it is. Jason's- it's hard to say this is fantastic or wonderful because it's, it's dark stuff. And, and again, you know, I know of the three of us, Vince is the most chill with the art is the art and yeah it's just a story i'm kind of in the middle i think dap is not totally on the other side but he's a little more like certain things will just turn him off uh he can't really doesn't want to deal with it i mean like i said this, this was there was the one part where they were watching the video and it was effectively said directly that you know this child was being tortured by her and then like you know and she was you know it, it Luckily, they don't they don't say it's sexual, but I mean everything else about what she was doing was sexual. So I, it, it gets a little like I'm like it was a little cringy, and I thought, oh boy, like I hope we don't go full on with this because it's just not what I signed up for. And thankfully, they don't. They 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 stop there. They kind of like just when the car's about to drive off the cliff, they they just managed to you know jump out in time. Um, but yeah, I but I overall I thought it was it was a a very a very well done story for its time in particular right which brings up a a current um event the wife loves um dateline oh yeah yeah and there was a story about a woman who had gotten missing um and her father-in-law had an unhealthy um obsession with her he would record her, videotape her, uh, when she was with his son, they were married. Like, uh, he would play it cool until she turned around. Then he would take videos of her ass and stuff. And, you know, t- typical creep. But at one point in the proceedings, they needed a reason to bring the guy in for questioning. They needed a reason to get a warrant to search his house. Um, and, and they, they got the reason. Um, and then when they searched his house, they took obviously they took all the videotapes and they took his computer, and, and on his computer, um, 
were videos of the neighbor neighborhood children, right? Um, not anything salacious or or, or um, pornographic, like just videos of the kids being kids. Uh-huh. But but one of the things they they brought him in on was that he had cartoon characters, underage cartoon characters having sex. Images of cartoon characters that were clearly underage having sex. And I th- I said to my wife, that's not a reason to bring them in. That's not transgressing anything. Uh, these are lines and color. They're not real people. But yet they found enough reason. Th- this was the evidence they were looking for. Well, the guy's got... Look at their their children on his computer and they're having sex. No, they're cartoons of children having sex on his computer. And it just baffled me that law enforcement would find that enough reason to 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 arrest the guy. Like yeah. that's well, there's not that correlation though, right? Like that yes. not correlation to people that possess that. But the, the real the thing they wanted to bring him in for was to get at to get him to crack and say that his son killed his wife. Oh, I, the, so the, it wasn't the, like child. Like they weren't trying. No, to but that was the thing that they, they said. Hey, you got um, all this stuff on okay. your computer. Like that's not evidence of anything other than you have cartoons on your computer. No one's get. There's no crime being committed. There's they're they're, they're illustrations. Yes, they're disturbing and, and pornographic, but they're they're illustrations of nothing. Those characters don't really exist. They're not underage characters. They're just lines on paper. And it just boggled my mind that law enforcement could use that as a, as something to to instigate you know search and seizure. It's like what? Listen, Vince, I was a kid of the of the eighties, and uh, when w- hearing you talk about this is making me think of the Different Strokes episode where Dudley gets uh, nearly molested by the bicycle I, man. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I I will never forget that, and it definitely served its purpose. And I remember vividly the yeah. bicycle man had. Porn cartoons that he tried to get the little watch, yep. and that's when things started getting weird. Well, so. that's an offense. When you, sh- you mean when showing you, him when you show an underage, right. Right. you know, child uh, pornographic material, that's clearly an offense. Yeah, but, no, no, I'm I, I'm not disagreeing with your yeah. premise that like it was a, a weak sauce thing to bring the guy in on, but uh, but I also know we live in a world where. A, I do think there probably is some correlation to having cartoon child porn and being a problematic human being. I do sure. think that's likely to have a yes, relation. Yes, it, it, it's but, a but red flag, to be that, sure. Like, that is to, and then I don't know where this took place, but you know, we've got places in this country where you, know, you, you, you can still be effectively shunned for your skin color or your sexual preference. So I, yeah, which know, is if unfortunate. It was in a relatively conservative area, I would imagine it wouldn't take much for a judge to... It was Midwest. Yeah, it was a Midwest. Yeah. 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 Yep. But uh, anyway, he died in prison. So. There you go. Yeah. The end. The end. Happy, <laughs> happy joy, joy. Holy shit. No, the guy was Fuck. was clearly a scumbag. But yeah, no, no. Uh, depending on the the local law, but I don't think any laws were broken by having those images. But whatever. Sure. So what sure. else do we have? Uh, well, I know, I know you're not, um, this, uh, you're not going to really be too concerned about this, Vince, but we do find out the origin 
how this particular Legion of Superheroes got together. Yay. Tell I, me about it. Uh, oh, uh, oh, really? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, number five. Um, it's, I mean, it's still, listen, you, you don't, there's no reason, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It, it. Of course, the Trinity is Lightning Lad, Cosmic Boy, and Saturn Girl. They were there to rescue President Brand. Um, but the way this, the way Bendis kind of, um, I feel like, he set it up so that if if this particular version, actually if this particular timeline for the entire DCU ends up um, going away at, at, at whatever comes next, um, it, it, I read the fifth issue as a way that it, it, it sounds in my head. It read like Ben was saying this this isn't. Um, this isn't gospel. Like it, it, everything that's happening here, this doesn't replace anything that Levitz and Giffen and Wade and anybody did that. This doesn't replace any of that. This is still. Mm-hmm. This is its own. This is a different timeline. This is this is still in this universe. But um, if if something ceases to happen in the past, then we cease to exist and and we just disappear. Um, so if you know. By all means, enjoy this if you are, and 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 keep reading it, and and see where these characters are going. But if DC decides to to pivot and do something else with 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 their line, um, you know, it's it's not the end of the world. Uh, but but Brainiac is pretty much front and center here. Uh, Chameleon Boy is um, the son of the president, and and that was. Um, that was a, uh, or is the child of, um, of of the president. President Brand is um, is Kalina Boy's mother. Um, the the um, oh, Brand is a woman. Brand is a woman here, mm. uh, and and an alien does not is 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 not of Earth. Look, they're completely different looking um, alien, uh, but the. Um, but there's, you know, there's a lot of drama with all of the, uh, not all, but most of the Legionnaires have um, family issues to deal with, and the um, there's Brainiac quietly um, prevents a, a huge knockdown dragout between the Legion and the Science Police, um, and and. After everything is pretty much calmed down, John Kent goes back to resume um, his studies, uh, and and he um, he finds out. That's when we find out kind of the the. Uh, that's pretty much when we find out the origin of of the Legion. So, Computo is is um, showing him the events leading leading up to that with uh, with the three saving Brand. With um, with Brand meeting in front of um, the uh, the United Planets to um, to say you know it's this is you know we've had it's it's been thousands of years since we've had a band of heroes a group of of warriors to um, to as a line of defense you know I mean they 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 had a term for it back then they were superheroes and and uh, her. 
her her view screen shows the um the first I'm pretty sure it was the cover of the first issue of the um Morrison Porter JLA and and so you see um the Superman with the long hair and Aquaman with the one arm and 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 so it's that and, and Kyle Rayner so it's that iconic image um so she she also mentions the the Teen Titans and how um you know it it's it doesn't matter that you know they were they were youths that they were you know, youngsters and and they were still they still acted they still behaved like heroes and uh so while uh Saturn Girl and Cosmic Boy and Lightning Ladder all sitting around the table uh talking with the president she's kind of explaining what she's looking for in this in this legion um you know, because and, and she's she's talking about justice, and and the kids really have no concept of that. The the, the planets they're from, they don't. I mean, he um, Garth is like, you know, they don't they don't teach any Earth on on my planet. They barely teach us to read our our own you know first language. And so, Rock the Cosmic Boys, like you know, Justice League, Teen Titans, they were the best heroes. They banded together. Um, and and that's what she, um, the president mentions John Kent because you know when when he invented the United Planets, that's where the idea came from. It came from Earth, and that's kind of what you know we're just trying to continue that that concept and that that legacy. Um, and so so John is seeing all this happen. Then it cuts to the uh, the home planet of Brainiac Five, and. Um, I like Sook's. Actually, um, the issue is is starts off with Ryan Sook, and then Scott Gudluski uh, comes in and, and takes care of the rest of the issue. But I, I really dig Brainiac Five's look for, for this team. The um, the he, he, when the three of them show up, um, you know, he's like, "Listen, I, I kind of expected." You. You guys, I, I, you know, and and we don't really show emotion, but but please, you know, understand that I'm, I'm, um, uh, what I'm about to tell you is 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 very close uh, to an emotional fact, and that your arri- your arrival fills me with, with profound relief, and and I think the Legion of Superheroes is an outstanding idea. Um, it's necessary, and and so he is explaining, you know, basically, yeah, I'm I'm going to join you, and he um and he talks about the. Uh, the age of heroes, um, the lost and broken earth lore you were modeling the Legion after is, is my obsession. I have facts that show it is, uh, an era that holds us all together, all times, all realities, all dimensions, the mixtures of multiversity powers, sources, sciences, and magic, all those looking to use and abuse all of it. Um, I have growing data, of severe reality abnormalities at the edges of our galactic and i have discovered it is all connected to this age 1000 years ago so again we're i i this isn't i'm not just picking up a legion issue and, and reading you know whatever their adventures are here it's 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 connected to and this these are the parts of the whole space time continuum or the timelines or anything like that that's i i, I appreciate the thought, the science behind it. I, I know he's, you know, you always know that when you read a Legion of Superheroes comic from the eighties, you always do it was a thousand years in the future. And, um, 
you know, it could only reference whatever happened a thousand years in the past that month. And I never really thought about anything beyond that. Um, you know, it was always weird that they'd have computers that look a whole full lot like CRTs in the future, but uh, not necessarily iPads. But you, you, the way Brainiac breaks it down to them, um, you know, he's like, um, it, apparently shit happened between when John Kent came up with the United Planets and the events. It, it, a lot happened between then and in the future, now and in the future. And um, apparently the Earth broke into pieces. Um, and so, when Earth broke into pieces, so that it's already rebooted and revised history and timeline. Earth could not be more important to us and our survival. And yet it's all broken to be translated, interpreted, misinterpreted. And then someone says off panel, like those poor watchmen and, and Brainiac Files, like exactly. And, um, so he thinks when I think of all those texts and scriptures lost to crisis, but now that I have ascended 12th level intelligence, um, I've seen what I cannot unsee, but a solution has presented itself and unfolded in front of us. Um, and, and so that's when they realize that, uh, John Kent needs to be involved and needs to be brought from the past, um, to the future, to their present. Um, and and I just I yeah, we got the typical this is the formation, this is how the Legion started, but then when Bendis brings in Brainiac Five and he kind of explains why the Legion is important and and, and hints at other events because even in, in um Young Justice he, he kind of referenced the whole um different type of crises and, and you know the the how that may explain why Connor and Bart are there, but they don't really remember where they've been. And, and, and so I'm um, that tease is, is what's kind of, uh, keeping me going. He's dangling the carrot and I'm, and, and, and I'm reaching for it. So, um, yeah, this is probably, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a lot of knockdown drag out action. In this issue it was, it was a lot of talking, but uh but i i, I it, this it's probably my um yeah no it, it's my favorite legion issue of this run uh to date hopefully the sixth issue will be should be out soon whenever we can get to a shop i'm pretty sure it, it it's getting ready to ship but yeah i um i i just thought we um it, it was the title has been in typical bendis fashion where where we hit the ground running and then, you know, after a few issues, then we'll tease about why this may be important or, or, or what led up to this instead of uh, kind of a linear narrative. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I thought, um, I, I, I was, he had me with the teases. I, I was really, I, I need to see. And because it can't be so straightforward because something's always happening, whether it's with Aquaman's Trident all of a sudden has been, has been found and, and the team is after that. Uh, so whatever John was learning has been interrupted by, by this mission. They all have to go on. So it'll be a minute before I guess we get back to it. But, um, but no, I mean, that, that's fine. That's comics is the reason why they want you to, come back every month and I'm not, I, I'm not mad at this approach. I'm not mad at, um, cause I'm not mad at the story he's telling. So I, I can definitely see somebody getting aggravated, annoyed 
that, uh, you know, let's just come out and tell me or I'll just wait until I know it's done and I can read it that way. But um, I'm fine with the uh, with with this teasing aspect of it. But, yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was a solid issue. And, and you know, Sook has been great, but um, Godlewski's art in this issue was uh, was pretty stellar. See, that's where you and I part because your carrot is my saltpeter. For sure. No, I understand yeah. that. I, I mean, understand that completely. I, I have a soft spot for DC, but how many times can they tease the multiversal rubber stamped crisis event? Uh, it, it, at this point, I'm like, we've seen how many crises. I, I don't want right. to see no, another one. And, and, and listen, and, and Bendis, I mean, we, we had. Bendis had his events at Marvel. I'm not looking forward sure, sure. to a Bendis crisis. I mean, yes, you're right. We've had them. We've had we've had Grant. We've had we've had. John. There's been a we've, shit we've had time. Everybody, yeah, do their crisis. So I'm I'm in no rush for a Bendis crisis. I don't I don't want a Bendis event. I you know Bendis is having fun with his little Wonder Comics corner, and and he's writing Superman stuff, and that's fine. Yes, I know that everybody's kind of have to. Everybody has to have that tease somewhere in the back of that's oh yeah we're just gonna th- that explains it all you know whether it's you know why did he act that way oh because you know there was a crisis event and it you know it made him turn left instead of right that and i i don't want that to be an excuse i don't want them to fall back on that and say shrug their shoulders and go it'll make sense because of crisis i don't mm-hmm. that's a cop i don't want that but since i'm trying to forget those two issues of millennium i i i think i think there's a lot between 2020 and a thousand years from now that um there's a lot that bendis can play with and yeah i know we don't we don't need crisis to say well crisis isn't a solution yeah i'll give bendis a little credit because if the events of lois and clark are set in stone this current reality of the dc universe is one that did not have a superboy until Jonathan. Right. So it makes sense that Jonathan would be the instigating factor in this iteration of the Legion. That's that's fine. I don't have any problem with that at all. But it's it's the other um things that that you know I I really have no desire to read. Sure. Like, like I don't want to see another crisis. I really don't care. No, no, yeah. You know, tell me when all the dust settles and I can right. start reading books again. And th- mm-hmm. that's the thing. I, I don't always want that that grand plan. Just show me, tell me a really good story of the Flash yeah. saving, you know, Center City. Or, or, or give me a great Ollie Queen story or whatever. Yeah. I just don't want this grand tra- tapestry right, anymore. Sure. It costs too much, number one. And it, you know, it, it really doesn't make all that sense because it's going to be undone in five to seven years anyway. You know, mm-hmm. let's just have fun. I'm not going to soapbox it. You're, I'm glad you're loving it. No, I understand it. Because, yeah, I mean, we said we we were, I mean, we we didn't all love the new Fifty Two Superman when it started. With, I mean, and I'm not just talking about the Superman title, but I mean, with with what what Grant and Rags were doing with um. With 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 action comics and the blue jeans and 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 towel as a cape Superman and the um and then what Jurgens and Perez were doing with the super with the main Superman t- like but you know so we kind of left it alone nobody thought about it and then 
Cooter does the the truth storyline, and 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 you 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 went back to it. You you, you get the trade. Yeah, I like it. I think it's fine. right. So so you know, in in the rear view, in in hindsight, when when it's all complete, you can sit down and enjoy it because you're removed from the time when it was happening. Right, because it doesn't it doesn't. It, it's not a fulcrum to something else. Exactly, it, it's already finished, and I can read it and and judge it as a X issue storyline and say, "Wow, that was pretty good. I had some fun with that. That's fine." But but when every book has a a little wink to something that may or may yeah. not happen, that just bugs the shit out of me. Sure, oh. sure, yeah. Uh, unrelated to that, but but you guys maybe think of it when we're talking about this DC. Uh, Jim Lee for those that don't know, has been out there banging out more art than he's done in probably five years of been publisher, but yeah. Yeah. Um, for charity though, doing, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's been shot. banging out a ton of art for charity and, and also getting other artists to contribute as well. So it's not all him, but he's been kind of spearheading this, uh, this initiative. And as of today, I believe he has raised just under $700,000 that have been, Every dollar of it's gone directly into the hands of LCSs. Oh, that's great. That is incredible. Man. That's wonderful. Like, again, you know, I, and look, I mean, lots of people are doing lots of cool things to help out everybody. I mean, even we, in a very, very small way, chipped in with uh, the creators for comics. And we're going to have Jeff Bouchard, who won the auction on the show soon as a result. And so, you know, everyone's doing what they can. But I, I'm always... Uh, Maybe it's because of what my day job is, but I'm, I'm always impressed when people who don't really need to like help do right. right? Like like Jim like Jim Lee is very very wealthy. He's got a very important job. I would assume under high stress right now himself, given that DC is part of you know DC is now a DC Publishing is a division of a company that is a small piece of a larger company in time Warner, which is now a small piece of a larger company in AT&T. So he's got plenty of, 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 of things going on. He, he obviously Dan DiDio's out. So he's the sole EIC. Now I, mean, I do just plenty busy doing like real things, uh, and jokes aside about his, his speed as an artist. I, I, uh, I do think that speaks to the character of the dude because, you know, and again, everyone has their own path to walk, but we often on the show talk about and romanticize and how we've even had a couple of them on the show, the other image founders. And, uh, you know, it's quite possible that they're themselves being very charitable right now and just keeping it on the low low. So I, I'm not saying they're not, but but certainly from a public facing standpoint, I don't see a lot of other creators that can move that kind of. <laughs> dollar volume out there moving that kind of dollar volume. I see them kvetching about a lost decade of comics or tweeting about politics or talking about their new shows getting optioned for Netflix. And that's all good too. Like, you know, I'm a capitalist like you do you, but I just think not that Jim Lee gives two shits about whether we applaud him or not, but I, I think he's worth being applauded for this. I think it's pretty neat. Sure. It, it, it just makes you, you smile when someone that does, like you said, doesn't have to do it, takes the time and the effort right. to actually generate money for the people that to which to to whom he's beholden. Like the, the, without the comic shops, they got nothing to sell. They could yeah. go, you know, yeah. they could go digital. But I think, like again, a couple of shows ago, I think it was uh, the Tomio said that you know if if it wasn't for Jim Lee, DC could easily. 
go the all digital route. It's it's Jim Lee who wants to have that that tactile physical paper product in the shops, and that's I, I gotta love the guy for that. Yeah, and I also should mention because I know we've getting we're still getting occasional pings or DMs, people slotting in the DMs because we did have uh, Christina on. A- God, probably about a month ago now talking about everything. But uh, just so you all know, uh, DC is continuing with their uh, relationship with with Lunar, which is the Merkler's company, um, uh, and I presume UCS, which is Midtown. Uh, they are con- going to continue to distribute their comics through multiple channels. Uh, Christina, I chatted with her very briefly about it. She said it's been going well. Um, they're planning on continuing to fulfill the clients that have signed up with them for DC product. Um, obviously a lot of retailers I'm sure waited around for the return of diamond and will just maintain their existing relationship there. So, uh, no other major publisher did go forth and, and actually step away from diamond. There was a new story, I think on comics beat, uh, if it was another set, I apologize that had mentioned, um, a number of smaller publishers were in talks with lunar AK the Merklers about distributing for them too, but that has not been uh, at least officially confirmed uh, either from any of the publishers or from uh, Christina directly. So again, it's just a story, a report that's out there. Um, it'll be interesting, you know. I, I bluntly, I, I care first and foremost with all of this with making sure that 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 the Merklers are good on it, right? Like I didn't, I didn't want them to get screwed over or, or this to be something that was a problem for them or end up costing them money or, or logistically problematic. So I'm glad to hear that, uh, at least it's not that. And, uh, it's going well enough that they're happy to continue on with the relationship for as long as DC wants them to. So sweet. For those of you wondering. Yeah. I looked at my shipments, um, tab and I saw the, uh, hardcover for the first issue special, the DC. Oh, I can't wait to get that. You you familiar with all those first issue special DC books? I hope you ordered it, Jason. Did I you? don't think it doesn't ring a bell. Well, Dap and I. What is it? About. No, I mean, what is it? I don't know. Uh, it it was the series of one shots that DC did in the Bronze Age. Atlas, Dingbats of Danger Street, Outsiders mm. was one of them. Uh, wasn't Warlord one of them too, David? Uh, I believe so. Cobra. The, all all the books are great. And they okay. just they scooped them all up and put them under one hardcover, which is wonderful. Yeah, I, I cannot I wait to get it, it. Yeah, I don't think it, I did that one. Hmm. Yeah, my bad, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> book of the month. We'll make them get it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of book of the month, yeah, we got one coming up next week. Yes, indeed, yes, the Authority Volume One. Your first 12 issues if you only have the issues uh 12 issues can also be found in the omnibus i believe there's an absolute edition uh but yeah the the 12 issues from 1999 i believe the series started sweet and we're reading so you just said we're reading just the first 12 issues for this yeah i mean it, it, you can keep going longer if you want i mean depending on i mean the focus is 12 issues for anybody who just has the first trade um that's the focus. We're going to try to. We're going to get through the first twelve. If we go beyond that, uh, however many issues are in your version, um, and if I'm on a roll, I'll I'll just keep chugging along through my omnibus and see where I land. Yeah, yeah. I think I have the omnibus, but you're. This would be, I guess, for those. This would be like the authority book one. 
Would that be the first, would that be the thing that would have like exactly what we're reading? Probably. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Volume One had twenty nine issues total. So I um, Book One probably. Right. Okay. I don't know if Book One is only going to have the first nine issues or if it has all twelve. Hmm. I have a I slip believe ca- Volume One. Mine is a in slip a slipcase. Slip yeah. 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 Cool. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for listening to us once again. Remember, if you want to get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your damn door. There's only one place to go, and that's Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Just go there. Everything. And a lot more to come, too. In your travels, I love it when a book gives me the opportunity to use funny voices. (laughs) Because I read... From Yo Books and Clover, Yo. yeah, our buddy Craig, uh, Craig Yo and uh, Clover Press recently published a book called Pirates: A Treasure of Comics to Plunder. Arr! <laughs> it is a bunch of uh, public domain reprints, which was edited by Captain L. Cat- Ed Cato and Craig the Scurvy Dog Yo. Now, who are you going to find in this book? Well, you got Carl Burgos, Howard Pyle, George Woodbridge, some guy named Wally Wood, a healthy uh, serving of Will Eisner, a little smattering of Graham Ingalls and Reed Crandall. But in my mind, the real reason for buying this book, and it's a a beautiful volume, flexi cover, um, clay-coated paper, all full color, and it's only $12.99. The real reason mm-hmm. for buying this book is a story right in the back called Dan Brand and Tippy, which was illustrated by none other than Frank Frazetta. Ooh. Yes, oh. it is awesome. It reprints um, a story from Charles Starrett and the Durango Kid number six, which was August, September 1950. Uh, it's a story of Uh, a man and a woman fleeing for their lives. Uh, The man's name is Jean Lessois, and his woman is is, um, Marguerite. And why are they running? Well, it turns out that Jean was once a pirate under the employ of a very, very bad man. And the woman, Marguerite, used to be this pirate's lady. And um, Jean and the woman got married, and they fled. And a year passes, and they have a baby. Okay? And when Dan Brand and Tippy uh, come onto the scene, they find poor Jean and um, his, his woman killed. They're dead. And they find an earring on the, on the corpse, and it's a skull and crossbones earring. Oh, who did it? Well, we're going to find out. But wait, what's that noise? It's coming from the well. Let's go over to the well. And they reel up the well, and in the bucket is a baby. (laughs) So Dan uh, gives the baby to a local couple, and wouldn't you know it? Okay. That's cool. Wouldn't you know it? Um, The dirty, nasty pirate Pierre Baton comes onto the scene, and he's like, May we sleep here for the night? And the, the, the homeowner's like, yeah, sure, come on in. But meanwhile, the wife was changing the baby that Dan just gave her. And on the baby's back, she found something written in 
in permanent ink. And she comes in like a goofball and says, oh, there's something written on the baby. Well, Pierre Baton says, ha ha, that's what we're looking for. We need that baby. So they tie everybody up and set fire to the cabin. Dan gets them all out. They get the baby. What was on the baby? The directions to finding the uh, a, uh, a chest full of gold doubloons. Doubloons. Yes. Doubloons. And Dan and Tippy save the day. Uh, the pirate is killed, but it's all gorgeously drawn by Mr. Frazetta. Um, Dan wears a pair of assless chaps like David Lee They're Roth. All, that's, that's redundant. No, but he's got nothing yeah. on underneath. He's got, he's just so a na- just, naked. He's just wearing chaps then. Yeah, he's David he's Lee Roth. He's in chaps. Yes, okay. T- see, this is the weird thing. I don't remember the origin of Dan Brand. Dan Brand is Caucasian. But he's hanging out with Tippy, who is Native American. And it looks like Dan has been ushered into the the tribe somehow because he's wearing... He's flying the colors here, and he's got a cutlass, and it's just beautiful anatomy, gorgeous women. It's Frazetta. Do I really have to extrapolate on the you know the the glories of Frank Frazetta? It it's just one in a series of beautifully illustrated uh, tales. The story before it, Frank Frazetta illustrates funny animals. Uh-huh. Where are you going to see that? Nowhere else. In this book? Yeah, in this book. It's called Pirates, A Treasure of Comics to Plunder, Arr, by Craig Yo and Clover Press. And I, I highly, enthusiastically recommend it. Wow. Love it. Um, I kind of blew my wad with everything else we talked about tonight. So um, I'm just going to reiterate what... Um, Vince has said in the past, uh, as we wait for the source book and then the sixth issue, seventh issue, um, continuing the story of The Last God, book one, The Fellspire Chronicles. Um, it's, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's everything you've said it is, Vince. I, yeah, there's a map at the end, uh, and, and there's, there's back matter and there's songs, but the characters, I, I'm not. I'm not mad at the uh, at storytelling with the flashbacks and the present day and and I because so many things I've been watching lately tend to use that effect and um, seeing a character in 30 years later show up all of a sudden and then you turn the page and we find out 30 years prior when they were introduced to the party. Um, I, I I appreciate that. It, 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 there, there's more weight in the way this this story is being told um, than it were if it were straight through. And, and it would be we'd have a there'd be a lot of dead space. There'd be it wouldn't have the flow if we got the entire story from 30 years ago and and the king with his rule and then whatever however long that lasts un, to get 30 years later and then we find out. You know, so it, it's there's a reason for it. It works. The method is 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 fine in this case, um, but yeah, I, I, you can't trust anybody. Everybody has a um, an excuse for their attitude and 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 why they feel the way they do. Uh, there's there's um there's some uh, there's some bigotry involved. 
there's uh, there's people who don't mind their tone and 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 don't care um, what they say. However, actions do have consequences, and and um, shit happens, and and it really um, they can really fuck with you. But um, the art is absolutely fantastic. The story by uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson is is great, but but uh, the Federici's art is um, is a sight to behold. It's it's a beautiful looking book, um, and yeah, if if you've been sleeping on it, if you haven't been checking it out, um, I almost feel like saying shame on you, but it's 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 um, it's a good time. It really is. I, I definitely recommend the Last God. Now that I'm caught up, I respect it. Well, I, if you remember, folks, as Vince often tells you in the intros and outros, we are not just a podcast, although that is the central hub with which we communicate with the, the lot of you. But uh, we also have other presences like a vibrant Slack channel for some of our patrons, a very active Facebook group, which has been going on for a long time. We've got Reddit, we're on the Twitters. And I bring that up because. Every now and then, something happens in between episodes that uh, would be worth your while to know about. And uh, obviously, if it's in between episodes, you can only know about it from us through those other channels. And uh, My Inner Travels is tied into that because um, I am an unapologetic, nostalgic fan of Scooby-Doo. And... um, the movie Scoob, with an exclamation point, uh, was going to be a big Memorial Day theatrical release, theoretically. But uh, with the COVID, it, like many movies, got derailed and uh, they decided to release it much like they did with the Trolls movie uh, for purchase um, for 20 bucks. But uh, I know that sounds like a lot, but but on digital, it's like if you were going to the theater, you'd spend more than 20 bucks to take your kids. So. In any event, uh, we watched the movie because uh, we were all excited about it. The uh, whole family watched it, actually, including the uh, 15 to 17-year-olds. And uh, listen, I love Scooby-Doo, and I love Hanna-Barbera. So there were – I didn't find the film unpleasant to watch, but it wasn't a good movie. Mm. Um, it just wasn't. You know, uh, It was definitely true to the source material, but it wasn't much going on. But So that's not my inner travels. But what happened is, as part of this marketing blitz uh, to get people interested in this film, I thought that uh, they did a pretty cool thing. They announced that through just about anywhere where you can get digital comics, including Amazon and Comixology and other spots, uh, they were giving away an insane number of Scooby-Doo-related comic books digitally for free. Absolutely free. So uh, I, I posted that information everywhere I could, and... Then went about doing it myself. I went to Comicsology and I was able to download 180 Scooby-Doo DC comics for free. And uh, some of you are probably thinking, damn, I wish I had known about this. Well, the good news is I just checked while Dap and Vince were doing their in your travels. And I've confirmed that they are all still available on Comicsology for you to purchase for free. So you should do so. Um, specifically, here's what you can get. You can get... Uh, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, which is um, the series that came out in 2010, I believe. You can get issues 40 through 
103. So what's that? 64 issues. You can also get the 1997 Scooby-Doo proper series. Uh, you can get, let's see, uh, 50 cop issues, starting with number 33. And that's awesome, if for no other reason than guess who drew the majority of that run? Do you guys remember? I think oh, it was, sh- wasn't it Joe Staten? It was indeed, yes, good pull. That's right. Freaking Joe Staten drew the vast majority of these issues. Uh, and then last but absolutely not least, and it's in my inner travels, is Scooby-Doo Team-Up, which is the most recent. It started in 2013, uh, and there have been um, there have been nine, uh, eight volumes so far, trade paper volumes. Uh, so we're talking about roughly 64, 65 issues. And I read the first two volumes of Scooby-Doo Team-Up, uh, along with my youngest this week, and it is freaking awesome it is awesome um the majority of the run is uh was written by a creator named Sholly fish um i must admit i don't know if Sholly is a man or a woman don't know uh and almost all of the issues as far as i can tell save for an occasional fill-in are drawn by dario brizuela who i've seen on at many a con um never interacted with him up to this point but i will now uh, and Scooby-Doo Team-Up is exactly what you would think it is. It's basically Brave and the Bold, only instead of Batman, it's Scooby-Doo. And I, this is absolutely up my alley. It was it was perfect for what I, it was exactly the kind of thing I wanted to have to read and enjoy after to watch the taste of the Scoob movie out. Um, f- first issue, of course, is a team-up with Batman and Robin. Uh, they go up against Man-Bat. Um, again, not surprising, because that's a classic team-up that actually happened back in the OG Scooby-Doo cartoon uh, back in the 70s. Um, you've got the team up with, uh, with, with Bat-Mite, and we're introduced to Scooby-Mite. Freaking Vince, <laughs> Scooby-Mite, dude. <laughs> How could you not, right? How could you not, right? Yeah. Um, you've, got, uh, you've, got Ace, you've got Ace the Bat-Hound, who teams up with Scoob as his uh, boy wonder to uh, take on some ne'er-do-wells of the, the Scarecrow and some other villains. Um, you've got a team up with... Um, Wonder Woman in uh, in uh, Themyscira, where Daphne and Velma are uh, effectively Amazons for the episode. Um, he even teams just, up with the Doom Patrol too, don't they? At one point, I think later on. Yeah, I, haven't, I didn't not in these first two volumes, but but uh, it's just a lot of fun stuff. Uh, Dap the the first volume finishes up with a team up with the Teen Titans Go. <laughs> nice. And 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 I got to give Brizuela credit. Um, he is an artistic chameleon. He draws each of the issues very much to look in sync with whatever uh, cartoon or, or, or era of the characters that he's dealing with. So the Teen Titans Go look exactly like the cartoon. Um, your your Batman Man Bat look like the the 70s. There's a Justice League issue where they're fighting the Legion of Doom. It's it's drawn to look like the 70s, late uh, early 80s cart- Saturday morning cartoon. Um, it's, it's just wonderful. They're all one shots. You can, you can just sit down and read a single issue if you want. You don't have to, you don't have to read. There's no kind of continuity here. I mean, um, in the second volume, it's a little more Hanna-Barbera-esque. You, you have a team up, uh, with the Flintstones to start. Then you have, uh, a Jetsons team up, of course. Um, you've got, uh, uh, I'm trying to think who else was in there. Um, you've got, uh, gotta be wacky races. 
Well, if it is, I haven't gotten to that. That wasn't. I would mark out. That would. I would have led with that for sure. Uh, I also should say that in the Scoop movie, the uh, the villain is Dick Dastardly. By the way, um, nice. Yeah, which was again had potential. Had potential. Uh, you've got a, a, a you've got a Jimmy Olsen team up. Um, like I said, I mean, it's it, there's just a lot. It's a lot of fun. Um, and there are eight six more volumes from here. I'm sure they team up with just about everybody imaginable that DC has the rights to. And uh, I just thought it was terrific. Holden loved it too. He's, uh, he's 11 years old. So uh, it's, it's perfectly all ages. Uh, it's the, the simplest way I can say it is if you have watched any version of the Scooby-Doo cartoon and enjoyed it, then Scooby-Doo team up. The comic is absolutely in that mode. You will, you will, there's no way you cannot enjoy these uh, issues if you enjoyed that, that the, the cartoon proper. So uh, yeah, and the greatest thing about this is a lot. We tell you all to buy lots of stuff, or we recommend lots of stuff that you all then buy and tell us how much we're breaking your wallet. But uh, I'm telling you to go out and get 180 awesome comics for free. So just go to Comicsology, do the search for any of those titles, and you'll just see them, and you can just add them to your cart. And uh, like I said, there are other ways to procure them as well, uh, but I got them through Comicsology, and I presume most of you would too. So nice. They got the apocalypse for free. No, 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 no. Just, just, no. just these three titles. <laughs> these three titles. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with us one more time. Again, like Jason said, if you want to experience more of the Eleven O'clock Comics thing, go to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit because we drop bombs on all those platforms. And then come back really soon because we're going to have another one of these for you. Um, in the meantime, say goodnight. I may have some musical accompaniment for you. Oh, Vinnie Beats? No. Damn. Oh, you can't even hear it. <laughs> Warriors. Uh, David. Uh, Good night. I don't hear any accompaniment. No, I, I, a cappella. Oh, alright, so. Me, 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 me. Skit, scat, scooby David. Nice. I'm going to take you at your word because you're obviously using the chronosphere to, to, to do it, so. <laughs> That's it, people. Say goodnight. Tell them you love them and you want them to be safe and make sure their families are safe and just try and brave this crap as best you can that's right that's right chef's kiss to you all yep oh i love the chef's kiss right i would want to do the chef's kiss for something every episode but then it would become a thing Mm. and we don't want a thing no but i will say strange heaven Mm -ah, that was so good (laughs) (laughs) it's so freaking video comes in yeah so nobody wants to look at me everybody wants to look at you let's say wear a hat a funny hat. Then Jason would be like, dude, you're wearing the funny hat again. It's my thing. I like the funny hats. No, we don't need funny hats. We're good we were, enough uh, without the funny hats. We were watching Dark Side of the Ring about the um, about the Road Warriors, and Paul Ellering was on the screen talking about the the boys. And uh, my wife, turns to me, she goes, he, reminds, he, he looks like Vince. Hey. I can kind of see it. Is he, is oh, he handsome? Yeah. Is he a handsome dude? A little bit. A little bit. He's a bald dude. Oh. Bald, he's he's, he's, he's all the like looking badass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Team. Yeah.
She just plucked my image from her dream. And she said, hmm, oh, of that looks like I the mean, guy yeah. from my dreams that does right. all those wonderfully nasty things to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, people, we out of here. We love you. Tell them you love them and say goodbye. Uh, lady, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>